You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. I'm your host, John Ojaka, and on today's call, we will once again be joined by Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets, uh, who is going to walk us through the process of creating and promoting a Spotify pre-save campaign. So uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is another one in a recent series uh, where, again, Josh Solomon, he is a, a musician, he's an MMM uh, student uh, and a friend uh, who really kicks ass with all of this stuff. And he's got an album coming out in a few months. And so we hatched a plan to basically just kind of use the release of his album as fodder for podcast episodes. We're also releasing a lot of companion lessons inside of my mastermind program, The Insider Circle. Uh, and this is another one in that series. So again, we're going to be talking about setting up and promoting Spotify pre-save campaigns. Uh, but before we do that, we're just going to take a quick little break. And when we return, we're going to be speaking with Josh about setting up those Spotify pre-save campaigns. All right, back in a sec. Hi, this is John Ojaka. I'm a former Interscope and Warner Brothers recording artist who gave up on the major label rat race and began pursuing direct-to-fan marketing strategies back in 2007. The techniques I developed worked so well that they helped my very first client set the all-time single-day sales record at CD Baby and land a position on the Billboard charts. In 2009, I launched Music Marketing Manifesto and began sharing my music marketing strategies with others. Since then, my programs have helped thousands of musicians learn how to successfully market their music, many of which have landed on various Billboard, Amazon, and iTunes sales charts, land Grammy nominations, and countless others have used my strategies to generate enough revenue to finally give up their day jobs and dedicate their lives to making music. So, if you're a musician and you need help growing your fan base or generating more revenue from your music, then MusicMarketingManifesto.com can help. My flagship program, Music Marketing Manifesto, is currently in its fifth edition and it will teach you how to build and promote an automated marketing funnel for your music. In the Insider Circle is my private mastermind group which offers monthly training lessons, weekly coaching calls, a mastermind community, and over 100 music marketing mini courses. I also offer one-on-one -on -one consulting for musicians who need personal guidance or help with any aspect of their marketing. To learn more, go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and click on products and services in the main menu. Once more, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. All right, we are back. Josh Solomon is on the line with me. Josh, how are you doing today? Hey, John. Good to be with you as always. Yeah, man. So, so what is new with you? Uh, I think uh, any the regular listeners uh, at least know that you have been out on the road starting that process of this album release that you got coming up. What's what's new in the world of Josh and the Empty Pockets? We have toured hard really good stuff we did nine shows in nine cities in a row at one point we've done a bunch of dates uh since our since we've talked now it's like the middle of may in in 
in real time here, even though this might air in the future, we've we've ordered our CDs. We've we've gotten a lot of uh, gotten a lot of housekeeping out of the way as we toured, and we we actually just got some canceled dates, but that's all right. It's just the world we live in. And now, actually, this day we're recording is the actual day I had on my calendar for Spotify pre-save campaigns. Fantastic. So we're really in real time yeah. right now. Yeah, well, and, and I don't think there's going to be too long of a lead time on this, so uh, uh, people may even be hearing it as soon as tomorrow. I don't know when I'm actually cool. going to push it, but but so the listeners are more or less in real time along with you. So we're, we're, we're about three, week, three weeks from my single release date, and that's what we're talking about, a Spotify pre-save campaign. And you know me, anybody who listens knows that I'm with you. I'm a funnel guy. I'm mm-hmm. a sales guy. I'm a physical product guy. I sure. love CDs. I love vinyl. I love making money with my music career. We don't make a lot of money. We're called Empty Pockets, but I like to make <laughs> some. So you, you, you've, you've made some money. You've, we, you've, we, we have to make a living, but but I usually do not focus my energy on Spotify, and I am no by no means a Spotify expert. Sure. But, but we did decide uh, it was important to put some effort and energy into this area for a few reasons. The first of which, honestly, is... There are certain gatekeepers in the industry that just look at this information. And but by that, I mean like your Spotify numbers, whether that be superficial. Some people are a little more savvy than others. That's definitely a reason we felt like we got to have a strategy. And if, even though we're not putting all of our resources into streaming, we got to do something. and We got to be smart about it. But also because there we definitely have fans that just don't care about physical at all. Sure. And there's nothing I can do. Yeah. I even yeah. have fans that are like, I'm not buying a CD. I'll buy a vinyl. We usually do vinyls about a year after release. And so it's really for those two two reasons we're going in and really having a strategy. And my main Spotify strategy is we're doing some playlisting, which is where you just pay. We've talked about it a little bit before. You just pay a company and they try to get you added onto some playlists. Sure. But the, our main thrust of our strategy is Spotify pre-save campaign. And uh, I, I, as always happens when I write down the steps of something I've just done, it's way more steps than I always think it was going to be. <laughs> and then when you uh, write down the steps, even as you do it, and then you try to like get some help from from other members of your team, it's still there's inevitably still more steps that somehow you manage to leave out. I'm I'm codifying a whole bunch of my my process so I can grow the team a little bit, and and yeah. even when I try to write it all up, I still leave steps out. If I could just kind of qu- briefly interrupt you there before we dive too too much into that can you just for again for the new listeners for maybe people who don't know necessarily what we're talking about can you touch on a little bit your perspective your feelings about sales versus streaming um, as we were talking about before recording this is always something I, I battle with um, trying to um, trying to really educate people about the fact that there is still so much value in keeping um and I don't even mean to still is the wrong word because that implies that the time is running out on on this. And I, I don't believe it is. Um, I agree. But uh, that, that there is a lot of value in focusing on sales very often, even over streaming. Um, many people, you know, it was it was how you said, uh, no matter what I do, I'm not going to get some people, you know, to, to listen to it outside of Spotify. And of course, that's true. But there are musicians that and I talk to them every day, almost find it shocking, this notion that that someone is talking about 
putting an emphasis on sales in this day and age over streaming. Can you talk about your your philosophy in a, in a nutshell there on that and why you think it's important? Yeah. And I, I talk about this a lot, especially with musicians not on our team and not in our band because we tour a lot and we, we love musicians and we deal with them. And I, I am on a pretty consistent disagreement level to try to keep it civil because <laughs> um, I have very strong feelings. But we a paradigm shift is so attractive. Mm. You know, it's it feels amazing to be like, wow, everything's changing. But I think there's a danger in there. And I'm talking about streaming, the paradigm shift of files getting smaller and higher quality. It's obviously amazing. And I think I could speak for you, John, too. And like I use Spotify. I use streaming like the technology is amazing. Sure. And it's completely changed many elements of the consumer experience with music but what streaming doesn't really offer and they've tried a little bit like i I have like a donation link on my spotify now right for Mm -hmm. the band we barely we don't pretty much do any business with that link but the reason they put that in is like a tacit too late acknowledgement of streaming doesn't really leave fans any way to actually financially support a band but because the payment is so low as in like way under a penny per stream there's just not enough realistic time in a day for even my biggest fans to impact our band financially or even like emotionally just by streaming our music it's pretty anonymous thing to do right right like so even if i were to go stream john ojaka every day all day you'd still end up making a dollar or something like it wouldn't affect your life if i bought one of your cds one of your vinyl records or even better yet like a package of a bunch of cds and spent 60 bucks which i regularly do on artists and i don't spend that much money i mean i'm in a band called empty pockets Mm -hmm. the impact is so much bigger so we found like a the back and forth between us and an artist is huge It's not really conducive on Spotify. We do that a lot on Instagram, on Facebook, especially on email, in in real life with our VIP, that back and forth that really moves product, but also like the big thing, which is financially, you know, we're selling our new album outside spectrum for $20 plus $4.95 shipping and handling. So $24.95. That's like six how many thousands of streams on spotify is that 24 dollars and 95 cents it's quite a quite a lot it's about so it'd be about two thousand streams to make about ten dollars um and that's first world streams and of course we're only talking people who actually stream it for more than 30 seconds and many many people don't over 30 second first world streams we're talking about five six thousand streams yeah it's just I love numbers. I love math. It's just incredible how fast that adds up. We're almost at 500 copies of our new album in pre-sale. You know, so I've done like over $12,000 worth of business. The amount of streaming is crazy. That wouldn't need to happen. I don't have that many people unless they were going to literally like set up streaming farms like a cryptocurrency, which I would not recommend. No. Um, that, that's my big reason. But it's 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 not just like I want m- more money, which I do, or any money. Yeah, it's he, that there, there is no – it creates a way for somebody to actually support us and have like a back and forth. So many of these presale purchases, I've – at least online, like spoken to these people. Hey, I ordered the album. Really excited for you guys. And then I'm like, hey, thanks so much. When will we see you next? And then they write back. In Indianapolis, 
in, you know, or whatever. It's it's that that entire experience for us and for the fans is, is why I believe in sales. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the, to get to the, that 12,000 and change that you mentioned, you'd need around two and a half million streams. Um, a little little bit shy of that, depending on where they No, I haven't put any effort into streaming for my career, but we have 500,000 streams yeah. for our career. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that's, I'm not bragging about that number. It's no. maybe it's a shameful number for a band yeah. of, of our size. We don't put that much energy into this. And this is the most, this process I'm going to bring you through is the most energy we'll have brought to, to streaming ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you would have generated around two and a half grand off of that. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, but in a matter of weeks, you've already generated uh, six times that in just pre-sales. Um, indeed, sir. Yeah. And I mean, that's not even including any upsells that sold with that. Totally. But uh, we, we are taking Spotify a little more seriously for those two reasons. And a big one for us, honestly, is this gatekeepers thing. Like there are certain festivals that, that we're being told we can't play because of Spotify numbers. Sure. Even if we do better than the bands that they book in that market. Sure. You know, if, we, if I can say, hey, we sold 128 tickets, that doesn't mean as much as the Spotify to some people right now. Yeah, um, we're still stuck in a world of vanity metrics, unfortunately, and and Spotify is a huge one. Um, but but it is still a revenue source, and it is a great way to attract new listeners, and it is a great way to attract or con uh, a greater amount of engagement from existing fans. It certainly can't be ignored. But I did I did want to I don't know give that context um, and and paint some of those numbers in for people because I think I think it's it's huge and I think more and more people are starting to see this there's a there's simultaneous growth I mean on the one hand Spotify is not you know or streaming in general is not shrinking any it's just growing and growing and growing but um, I actually have no idea what their financials are I just I, I assume it's growing um, but it can't forever it, Netflix it, has finally stopped growing. yeah it can't forever but it is it is certainly becoming more even the older generations that you know like their physical albums are are, are shifting more towards streaming yep. um, however what the argument that I've long made for f pretty much since the beginning of MMM is that the buying triggers are very different for independent artists than they are for mainstream artists. When so different. When we as independent artists build a following, build a tribe, build an audience, there's a connection. You know, if we don't have that fame to drive that love, th there is a much more authentic love that we've generated from our friends. We've often shaken their hands after a show. Um, we've often answered an email yeah. or commented or replied to a comment on social media. Um, and so we, we really have... A, a much stronger bond with our sorry my phone is ringing in the middle of this interview uh, we have a much stronger bond with our our audience and when we do ask for that support they typically will support us a percentage of them anyway and just about whatever way we ask them to show that support so while while there is most likely and i don't think we're anywhere near it frankly but there is going to be an end to cds uh vinyl i'm not so sure about that may be around in some way shape or form for an extremely long time um but but it is one important to say that last year alone as far as i'm aware 40 million cds were sold in the u.s and another 40 million vinyl yep. were sold in the u.s and vinyl grows of course every that's year. a huge increase if you go back to like 2005 that's a huge increase yeah in, in um, vinyl yeah it is it's, it's the biggest um 
biggest jump in you know since that since that original decline whatever it is in 30 years or something like that um however despite the 40 million cds that are still being sold the, the point is not whether or not we're, the, the point is not to try to convince everyone that they should be selling cds the point is to impress upon everyone that they should be selling um, whether that is a cd or vinyl or a membership site or an app or whatever new technology is coming around um yeah the, the the corner i mean show tickets tickets to shows i think Absolutely. you make two that points that are so good. The first of which is one of the most confusing things about reading and strategizing about the music industry is 99.9% of what is written about the music yes. industry is based around very famous people. Yes. And the levers and the rules that they operate in do not exist for me and Absolutely. don't exist for most artists. That's the first huge point. So like any standard, and I like to read it too, but it's like, it doesn't have to do with me. Absolutely. Their, their stra whatever strategy Taylor Swift is implementing, for the most part, it's almost completely irrelevant to my life. Completely. And then the, the second thing that you said is about we ask the, our audience, we show them where to go. We tell them, here's how you support me. And this is the other reason I'm uh, we're doing it, but I am skeptical a lot of times of streaming is that you only have a certain you have a limited amount of times and space and real estate you can ask your audience to do something so a lot of times by asking them to do one thing you're not asking them to do something else you know that like in your podcast that's a big thing i say is like you can only say one thing only sure. say one thing sure so my part of my problem with streaming and I'll contradict myself by t telling you exactly what my plan is with streaming. But part of my problem is that it's a zero-sum game. Like, you can only send one email in a day. And if that email is about streaming, then it's not asking for sales. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm doing, for the first time, we've never done a Spotify pre-save campaign. In my whole career, we've never done one. Because I'm a very extreme person. And once we found out about selling stuff, and you could actually try to make money upon a release, and it's not just like a... Okay, the music's there. What now? Um, I, I ignored streaming completely and utterly. So now we're, we're, we're coming just in the same way that I hired radio this time and we hired PR. We're trying to be a little more well-balanced. Sure. A lot for the whole industry and what we look like superficially. We are doing a Spotify pre-save campaign and it starts so similarly to the rest of the things we've talked about on this podcast, which is... Sorry, sorry. I'm going to interrupt you there before you get on that run, and I can't interrupt you. Um, but one thing I just want to crystallize, because we just threw a lot, a lot of doubt in people's minds without necessarily throwing that life preserver of why we're still totally. telling them to go and do this, the Spotify pre-save campaign aside from the social proof um aspect of it which your industry social proof that you just mentioned um i can see other benefits to doing it is that is that primarily the only reason you're doing it is to uh play the industry game and to to uh i don't know create those markers for the industry to take note of or do you see other i benefits? would say that's number one on my list and the mm -hmm. second one on my list is you know, trying to find any way we can to build audience that works and sure. that sticks. You know, I definitely know bands that have done really, really well on Spotify, doing it super legit, getting editorial playlists, which we'll talk about, um, really working the Spotify algorithm over time and then like selling real tickets in, in, in lots of markets. Like sure. it, it, it is a legitimate, audience building plan that I haven't happened to use or have put much time in. 
And yeah. I want to sort of swim in those waters a little bit. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think ultimately it's engagement. The reality of selling music, whether it's phys- uh, physical or digital or in a membership site or in an app or however you ultimately choose to do it, is that the engagement is is way down compared to something that's as easy as to use, uh, easy to use rather as Spotify. Um, and we don't want to miss out on that. You know, it's one thing to sell music, but we still need those fans to listen to the music and fall in love with the music because because then they fall in love with us and then they want to come and see us play and buy yeah, more I don't music. Think of, I don't think of Spotify as like an end game for us. Right. You right. know, if I can get new people listening to us on streaming, I want to convert them into liking us so much to come to a show or yes. to buy a vinyl yes. or to join the membership. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, sort of like what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I see it as an engagement tool, ultimately a, a crucial one that, that really can't be ignored. Um, it is of course, uh, a, a revenue source. You'll still make some money. And then there are the lightning strikes where an artist gets 500 million streams and then yep. lands a million dollar, you know, publishing deal or record deal as a result of it. Um, so, you know, that can happen. It truly, there's you, also genre things. And now I'm, I'm more in like Americana mm-hmm. or folk rock blues, you know, song oriented. But if you're in background music at all, mm-hmm. that can really work with EDM or, or like mood music, like kind of yoga type music, mm-hmm. all that. Uh, smooth jazz. I know some smooth jazz guys that make good money uh, yeah. on streaming. Yeah. If you make the kind of music that can get on those commercial playlists and loop over and over and over all day long, then then it can't be ignored and you probably want to embrace a different model. Those also tend to be models that are not built around um, tribes and even live music quite as much. Um, so, so you know, it is a different, it's a it, different thing. Definitely worth saying that there are exceptions to every rule and different ways to monetize um, based on different end games um, and genres and business models and everything else. But okay, so 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 engagement, growing the audience so that you can monetize later, um, and keeping the fans that you do have uh, engaged and revenue um, and uh, mm-hmm. industry stats and social proof. These are the reasons that we we don't want to ignore it and we still might want to uh, run something like a Spotify pre-save campaign. Are we up to speed? Yep. Okay. So now tell us what a Spotify pre-save campaign is for anyone who might not. So none of the major streamers, including Spotify, really offer this internally. So this is like basically there are a bunch of companies that put a little piece of script together Mm -hmm. that will make it easy for both artists and on the other side for fans to save, pre-save or like, it's like a little heart on Spotify, a release before it's released. Um, so, that, you know, this is a chance to like consolidate your marketing. And, and one of the reasons this is important is for most of their playlisting on Spotify internally, especially their algorithmic playlists mm-hmm. like release radar, but especially in this case, like discover weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're looking at is the ratio between streams and saves or likes or hearts. And so if you can start your first week before you even have a single stream and just boom, here's a few hundred or a few thousand pre saves, then your ratio, especially at the beginning is really important because one of the other factors that's important for Spotify for their algorithmic playlist is time, right? So like a song that's only been released for five days is better on Spotify than a song that's been released for 50 days or 500 days. Sure. So this combines those two things, right? You get as many saves as you can 
immediately upon it being released. So that's what we're doing here, and it starts. Are we ready to start the the sort of step by step part? Yeah, I think I think I think we've covered. I'm just I'm just racking my brain to see if there's any aspect of that. No, I think I think that's clear. And I don't know. I think we said it, but you were we're doing this in your case um, for a single. Uh, there, there's an episode a few back. If anyone didn't listen to that, it was the album release blueprint episode where Josh kind of broke down the entire plan for his upcoming release. And now we're breaking each one of those points in that plan into chunks. Some of them end up here on the podcast. Some of them end up in the insider circle uh, as more yep. advanced video kind of lessons. Um, but that's kind of what we're, we're doing. So there's there are many more steps to go, and we should probably add that in terms of Spotify monetization, the end-all be-all is not necessarily just a pre-save campaign. This is purely an important part of that release as Josh leads up to that release. Um, he's dropping the yep. first single and the album is not, what was it? Uh, they, when were you dropping the actual album again? August 12th. August 12th, right. So a couple of so months. The single drops on June 3rd. And then uh, about two months later, the album comes out on August 12th. Right, right. And so and you and the hope is to get as much activity in those two months before the album comes out so that you can sell as many albums because the album won't be available yet in its entirety. Um, and so you can you can grow that audience. You can excite your fan base and you can pre-sell as many as possible. You've already sold 12,000 and you've got a couple of month, uh, sorry, $12,000 worth of albums and you've got a couple more months to go. So it becomes easy to see, especially as you start pushing the that the time sensitivity of that release. I presume you're doing some kind of a bonus or discount leading up to the actual release for all the early birds. Yeah, we have two. We have like two sections of early birds. So first is like the first 500 copies got hand numbered mm -hmm. in the order that they were received. We actually had a big fan find it and buy it early. So he got number one. Nice. And then I sort of really, really made a big deal of like, don't you want a number? Like, and some people were like, what number am I going to get this and that? So mm -hmm. it, it kind of was exciting. And then we're signing the next, uh, those are all signed as well. And sure. then the next 500 copies are all signed. Got so it. if you, you know, for, for our fans, it's like, if you want a signed, uh, a signed and numbered copy, you got to be in the first 500 people. And then if you want uh, that, that, that is basically coming to an end mm -hmm. and, and now we're sort of going to replace it with this. And then once this song comes out and people could listen to it. So we sold 500 CDs, um, unheard. There's yeah, no yeah. pre, you know, it's literally just trust us. It's a new CD. You should buy it. Right. And now we're going to go more to more traditional, which I like as well here. You know, I'll be previewing the song. Um, hopefully our PR people gets us some sort of coverage on the release of the single. And after that's released, exactly. I'll spend two months razor sharp focused on selling those next 500 copies that are signed. And then after that, just copies and pre-sale. Right. And we're getting, uh, ahead, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit, but are, are any of the charts here ultimately going after, are they all sales charts or do any of them factor in? They're all sales charts okay, got it. They, they, that I'm going after. So lots of the charts do factor in all sorts of sure. things. Um, but I'm not, I don't really have, I have less control of a lot of that. Sure. So I, I know that we'll be on multiple charts if we move over a thousand physical units, right. all digital, just be bonus. I think it's 1500 streams per unit on billboard. Right. So it's a lot of work for just like one $20 CD. Right. And to, uh, to give some additional context and tell listeners how they can kind of come along for the ride. Uh, what is the song called? 
This song is the same name as the album. It's called Outside Spectrum. Okay. And so we release it everywhere on June 3rd. Okay. And, and if they, if he, I don't know how pre-saves or, uh, work. If I go and search Outside Spectrum on Spotify, will I find it? Um, you will not. Will not. And that's okay. a great question. Spotify itself, nor does Apple Music or Tidal, uh, none of them support directly a pre-save. Okay. So, so that's not what I was saying at the beginning. It's not even going to show up till the week before it's released. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm not even sure if it'll show up on search. It starts showing up on your artist profile Got and it. it may show up grayed out in your release radar. Right. So I think this is, that, that, that's a good, you know, into what are the things we're going to, are rewards for doing this pre-save. Mm-hmm. There are like kind of like a few little rewards and I'm talking about Spotify you could focus some some bands focus, and I think it depends on where they are and what their audience is. You could do a pre-save campaign for a bunch of streaming services at once mm-hmm. using like a Smart Link or a Linktree, mm-hmm. right? Like, but I'm only going to do Spotify. Mm-hmm. So, but you could also do Apple or Music, and you could do Title, and you could do Deezer. I'm only going to do Spotify. I feel like you focus to win. It's one of my dad's phrases, sure. and. Even though I know some people don't listen to Spotify, even on my emails mm-hmm. that I've programmed to go out for this, I say, do us a favor and pre-save us on Spotify, even if you don't care about Spotify. Right. Um, I want the pre-saves. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been, um, you know, so inside of TunePipe, and again, for listeners who don't know, TunePipe is a funnel builder and website builder, e- email marketing solution um, that I launched for specifically for musicians. Uh, you can check that out at TunePipe.com. But one of the uh, template types or page types that we offer are SmartLink pages. You can create SmartLink pages or um inside of um, TunePipe in your TunePipe website or funnel. Um, and uh, we have even streaming funnels that sort of lead with these these smart link pages. And I've tried it a number of ways. And, you know, as the owner of TunePipe, uh, helping various clients, I see a lot of stats and I see sort of what people are doing and what tends to work and what doesn't. And I am seeing a, f- a fair amount, like, especially if you don't add any kind of particular specific Spotify related targeting. For example, you know, people who like Bob Dylan and also like Spotify, if you don't, if you don't um, create any kind of uh, narrowing down like that, I'm seeing around 30% going to Apple um, over, over um, Spotify. So it's, it's, it's a significant chunk. Um, and, oh, I think, and I think all the services are significant. If you look at the breakdown I mean, and it updates, obviously it's, it's Spotify is not that dominant right. in the field. Right. I just think you focus to win. I don't love the idea of like spreading my audience everywhere. Yeah. I hear um, you, you, you know, to me, if like you want to go find it, you can go find it eventually when it gets released, but that's just my personal strategy. It's interesting. You know, I, uh, I don't do steps like this a lot and now I'm kind of writing them down as we've been podcasting and the first like four or five steps of this mm-hmm. is the same as so many other things, which is like, you need your master files. Sure. Like we, we organize all this on Dropbox so I don't have to like go find them again every time. <laughs> um, but just like lots of other things, when you're, when you're, you know, to do a Spotify pre-save, you gotta get it up on Spotify yeah. and whatever other services you want. I use, you need to use a, a distributor to do that. Mm-hmm. I guess theoretically you could approach each streaming service and make a deal with them, but like Nobody's it's not that, that. <laughs> yeah. it's not that expensive to get a distributor. I'm, I think I paid TuneCore twenty nine dollars for a single for the year, and I think an album is like forty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. 
there are no other fees associated with that. Some other services do a percentage. Honestly, I did a whole bunch of reading on CD Baby, DistroKid, TuneCore. They're real similar. I'm a um, CD Baby guy, and admittedly, I haven't released anything myself. Like, they're all on labels. I have one album that I just recently, very recently, got the rights back to, and that's that was released by an indie through CD Baby for digital distribution. Nice. Um, so I have an account. I, I have barely even dove into it. Um, but I, I, at least over the years, have known the guys there and have helped a lot of clients through CD Baby. Um so I haven't I haven't personally messed with DistroKid or TuneCore, uh, but the thing that always kind of put me off was that annual fee. At least last I looked, CD Baby didn't have one. What what's? But yet I know a lot of people do go it's with TuneCore. What's your justification? It just depends there? on just math. It just depends on the sales. You know, it was a lot more obvious to us because we did pretty well on iTunes, mm-hmm. where you like it wasn't streaming. You sold digital music, which doesn't happen as much sure, anymore. Sure. It's just math. CD Baby charges a percentage. Tune Card charges a fee up front and doesn't charge a percentage. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, so see, I'm so out of the loop on, on what they're it's all like offering. It's like betting on know. yourself. They're all the same thing because it, 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 that I literally have a note. It's like, just pick one and do it. it right. To me, it doesn't matter. Right. You're going to pay something. But with them, you're buying, in addition to the distribution, you're buying your UPC mm-hmm. and you're buying your ISRC. Those are pretty important things and you got to keep track of them universal right. product code and the international standard recording code uh the upc is for each product like a single or a different one for an album and isrc you need one for every single song right uh, and so once you get your codes in order and you have your your your, your files i think the wa- waves are best but uh, the, most streaming services except flax and high quality mp3s and um you, you need artwork and at a square to do all of this. You need your square artwork. I think 3,000 by 3,000 pixels is ideal, but I think the goal as low as 1,600 by 1,600. Uh, and you get all that in your distributor. Timing is everything. I can't even, I don't deal with much consulting anymore, but like when I was consulting musicians, it's like everybody's like, hey, my single drops in two weeks. What should I do? And you, you need to have this into your distributor a month before your single gets out. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna take all these distributors like two, three, four, five business days to get through their internal review process, whether it's TuneCore or CD Baby. They don't want to be sending wrong shit to stores all the time. They'd get in trouble. Sure. And then there's like a five day minimum business day review process. That's Apple, uh, Spotify, title. Some have as many as like thirty days. Um, but you got to get those reviews done and still have at least two weeks left before your release. One of the reasons you want to do that, talking about Spotify specifically, you only have one chance to actually submit officially to Spotify editorial playlists. Right. Now, there are three types of Spotify playlists. Just like review real quick. The most important one, in my opinion, is algorithmic. These are Discover Weekly, Release Radar. There's other algorithmic playlists. Like some of them are moods and that that's all fed by data spotify gets and we'll get into more of that uh another is user generated playlist you can start a playlist i can start a playlist whenever anybody talks about like paid playlisting this is the one they're talking about Mm -hmm. user generated playlist some people like take it really seriously and build an audience for a playlist and then that playlist becomes like super valuable but the most sought after playlists are the spotify's official corporate sponsored playlists uh, you know, usually they have like a catchy name. Um, they're almost always genre-ified or mm-hmm. at least like 
uh, themed like a workout or something. Sure. These playlists need, you need to be picked. Not all, but most of those picks are coming from, uh, you actually apply that application happens inside your Spotify artist page. Speaking of, I have a note here that says you got to claim your Spotify artist profile page. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It's not hard to do. It's free. If you have any music on Spotify, you could probably do it. It makes it so your profile is customizable and you got like some stats that's inside. So once you claimed your page and you've uploaded your music to your distributor, then it'll come up where you can actually submit to the editorial playlist. And to me, that's like a lottery ticket, but at least it's free. It's sure. a free lottery. They sure. recommend two two weeks because um, this is shit you should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like a free lottery ticket. So now that you're two weeks before, Spotify or, and your distributor uh, will have your UPC and your ISRC. Mm-hmm. What you do is you, you get a service, and I'm not paying anything. If you don't need many specifics, this can be free. Mm-hmm. I'm using feature.fm, but there's Lander does it. Show.co does it. I, I think show.co is actually CD Baby's marketing arm. Mm-hmm. Most of the distributors, TuneCore doesn't do it, don't do it built in. Mm-hmm. But you, you basically, you use a company and they're just using like a little script like we used earlier. And you create using your UPC and ISRC. And you, then you got to use your album artwork again. You create your pre-save campaign. Right. Uh, can I can I stop? Is this an okay point to stop for just a, re- a recap? There's a lot of lot of details there. So yep. so just to again spell this all out. Um, first thing you're doing, you're getting your masters. In this case, a single. Um, the process would be the same for an album. Uh, you've yep. got your artwork, which should be at least three thousand by three thousand pixels as a square. Um, you're going. You're hooking up with a distributor, either TuneCore or CD Baby. Uh, sounds like if you uh, if you expect to do decent volume that TuneCore is a better value um, currently from what you I do you're, think that's the math. Yeah, it dep- there's a line where TuneCore saves you money. Gotcha. And there's an other line if you do not enough volume where CD Baby will save you money. And DistroKid's like in the middle of that somewhere. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. So you go with the dis- distributor, you tell, you sign up, you add, you uh, get your, you buy your UPC and your IRC. Um, yep. You tell them when you want it to drop and you can do this yep. months in advance and you should probably do it months in advance. Uh, and then you pay your fee and you're done on top of that you're going inside of your spotify artist uh account you're going in yeah which you should claim if you haven't right and then you're going in and you are um uh about a week after your distributor you're going into your account making sure it shows up there and applying and applying for uh to be added to some of these key playlists yes exactly and and where are you finding those playlists inside of your account like walk people through that process so, like, if I go to my Spotify for Artists account, which mm-hmm. is artist.spotify.com, I'm mm-hmm. already logged in, and I actually just click music. Yeah. And then after I click music, I click, unre- uh, I think it's unreleased, mm-hmm. and then under there, I can see my single and my album and the dates they come out. You don't find any playlists. You submit more generally than that to all of their editorial playlists, and you, and you write a little bit about your music, and you say, here are the genres, here are the moods. It asks you, like, ten questions. And then that's like you're submitting to any Spotify editorial playlists. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're buying your lottery ticket, if you will. But that's so right. That's point, right under your releases. 
Yes, exactly. Upcoming. I think it says upcoming releases. Okay. Um, And and now you go to, in your case, more FM. There are alternatives. People could do their own research in Google, Googling for uh, what? Pre-save campaign. Yes. It's uh, called a Spotify pre-save campaign. You could do it on Apple. Sure. You could do it combined, like I said. And basically at that at that point, you 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 put the I'm using feature.fm, but you can use show.co, which is CD Babies. At that point, obviously we're trying to get as many saves as possible. And the reason is what we're going for now is two algorithmic playlists. The number one listen to playlist on Spotify, at least the last time I checked, is called Release Radar. And the release radar is a week-long playlist that gets released, I believe it's every Friday, because that's when things come out. Sure. And it's anyone you're following, you get a mix of a combination. So some people follow like hundreds of artists. Sure. And then every week they hear, oh, this is the, the Clapton released this, and my favorite indie band released this, and, and they go into a playlist for you, and you can listen to them. Those are valuable listens and they go, I think it, a lot of times, unless you've opted out, even emails people for you from Spotify's domain. And so that's a big, big reason I want people to pre-save and pre-follow us. And the pre-save campaigns all pretty much have that pre-follow right there with it. Sure. It's like automatic. Sure. And the other playlist that we're looking at is Discover Weekly. We've gotten a few thousand spins on discover weekly but i'm greedy for so many more and you get qualified for discover weekly basically as like how spotify would say it is like as people are liking your music and that means your ratio is good between streams you don't want to have too many garbage streams so that's why some of the playlisting is dangerous yeah um and so you have the best shot to be on discover weekly in that first and second week of release because people have already saved your music and hopefully they get pinged on it, they play it, they've saved it, so your ratio is high, and you have a chance of getting on Discover Weekly, which is playing, uh, it's a little bit like Release Radar, but it's sending your music to people that have never heard it before. Right. Do you know algorithmically what's um, got more weight, whether it's following an artist or, or saving a track? Uh, I know for Release Radar, following it does, and for Discover Weekly, saving the track does. Gotcha, gotcha. I wonder, I wonder, well, I guess this is probably a conversation for for us after we're done recording, but there might be some advanced work you can even do before your actual campaign, which we haven't even started talking about, where you almost make sort of a, uh, not a, on YouTube, it'd be like a channel trailer, but here we're talking about like a Spotify follow ad. You know, on the end of all my emails, I have like this thing we call a soup signature, where I'm like, hey, P.S., if you're into the empty pockets, there's these four easy things you can do and they get harder as they go down. Sure. So like my first one's usually like get our free CD if you haven't gotten it. Yeah. And we sell free CDs almost every single email I send just because yeah, of that. Sure. But the second one on that list, I think is Spotify. And I'm like, go follow us on Spotify. So I've sort of been doing that. You know, sure. we've grown almost to 4,000 Spotify followers from 3,000. I think mostly from that because right. every email I send basically, I think the next one is like come see us on tour and then the next one is join our VIP group. 
You have such but, a such a large audience, though, you know, between an email blast or two and some retargeting, you should be able to pick up a few thousand more um, with a with a dedicated ask. You know what I mean? Like a vi- I can picture um, your band sitting there in front of camera, just literally explaining the importance of it to the fans and, and asking them to go and follow you. Um, that is definitely something that we probably probably would have pretty good results because I'm, it's not I'm, very painful I, I, I agree with follow. you that the doing the focus is key, you know, doing one thing per ask and because as we're about to build up to you're going to be asking people to uh, save the song um, there's probably also some value and even advance of that getting people to sort of follow you as an artist but anyway getting off track and ahead of myself so so you know and on that track john uh the, just the way i'm doing it on feature.fm mm-hmm. so far everyone who has saved the track because mm-hmm. I can see like little stats sure. has also followed us or oh, has great. already followed us. Okay. So it's, it seems like they're, they're hand in hand to me, if but I don't have that much experience. Then, yeah. You're golden. No, that's great. So, um, now I'm, I, I sent out my first email today with this. I'm probably going to give this like five emails mm-hmm. over like a couple of weeks. Did we, did we it, paint the picture well enough on what the, what that script is? You know, it's basically like a, just a simple page with a button on it and it's got your album icon and it tells people to go and, and save it. And then once they do, uh, that, that data is ba- basically passed through the API over to Spotify. It saves it in yep. their account without them even really logging in. And then it redirects them to whatever thank you page you want, which of course in your case, is an opportunity to buy the actual album or pre-order the the physical yeah, album. Yeah, and I haven't sent a sales email today, and I just saw another CD order come in, which is always nice. Great. So two came two came in as like just like a little piece of the Spotify pre-save campaign. Right, which just um, went out what hours ago? Hours ago. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I'll, like I said, I'll probably send like five emails. We'll definitely spend some time on uh, social media. Um, we'll probably spend some paid time on it. I've been debating. I'm going to do probably some cold traffic testing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really relying on cold traffic for this, but it's a pretty small ask mm-hmm. and you can immediately go like to our Spotify page, but it's pretty standard, you know, walk, MMM. yeah, walk us through the, walk us through the copy that you're using, for example, in that email. So in, I start I'll probably do some more like from their perspective stuff, as I like to say it, like, wow, this song is really great. You know, it's going to make you feel great to listen to it. But but to start, it's a very direct appeal for me. It's just saying, hey, can you help us out? This would be really helpful for us. Even I even say in my email, even if you don't like Spotify and you only have a free account or something, it would still be really helpful for us if you were to just go and pre-save for us let's see what i say exactly i think that's a i I think that's a that's a good way to go when we're asking for something that doesn't cost them anything more than a few seconds and a click i think asking for help is probably the stronger appeal because people don't mind helping as long as it doesn't tax them too much when we're asking them to spend you know real money with us i think we need to we need to show them what they're going to get out of it yeah I have like a, a link that's on in my email that says click here to pre-save our upcoming single outside spectrum out everywhere Friday, June 3rd, starting that, getting that date out there. Yeah. Even subconsciously, I have my uh, single artwork, which is sort of a variation on our album artwork. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I say after the artwork, the way this song turned out feels very right. I put that in quotes mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. and it's hard to explain it any other way. So pre-save it now. And then I give the link. 
then give it a listen on June 3rd and let me know what you think. And then I even go on to say, also, if you haven't already ordered the CD, here's the link to that. Have a great week. So it's a pretty simple email. I'm not getting into very many psychological issues or tricks or anything. I'm just saying, I can't wait for you to hear this. We could really use your help. Please pre-save it on Spotify. Right. It's pretty direct. And it goes right with the thing I say all the time and I've said in your podcast, which is people want to help you. They just don't know how. And this sure. is one of them telling them how sure. type situation. So and then you'll take a version of that and you'll post on all the different your different social profiles and you'll make an appeal there. Yeah. And I'll do four different types of appeals after this. So this is like a help one. I'll probably do an even more desperate help one. My drummer's really good at that. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. sent an email. I each of my band members sent an email out. Sure. And Adam's email was, I jokingly, though I'm also serious, said whoever, whichever band members email sells the most, I'm going to give them a $20 gift card to uh-huh. Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> uh-huh. And Adam put that in his email, but his subject was, desperate drummer makes transparent plea for money (laughs) and his email did really well his email sold like 29 copies of the cd um which is hard when you're not the first few emails that are really easy to sell you know our first email sold like 110 copies you know and and it just it just works it's a really extreme version of asking for help but in it he's a little bit funny and he's like look you know please help me do this. I want the gift card and I need to sell these CDs. And people really responded to that. Awesome. Yeah. No, they, so they really, get, they really will. I'll probably get more even healthy. Try not to be baggy, trying to be classier than that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll probably get a little more musicy, um, as one of my, sure. as where I'll say, man, this song sounds fucking good. Right. You know, you gotta hear this. And then I'll probably try to do a little bit more of an emotional plea. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do like a urgency plea. Right. So is that, was that five emails that you just broke down? Yeah, so I think I'll do five, something like that. Yeah, because yeah. people will want to know, is, like, is he really emailing five different times for the same I thing? I really am emailing yeah. five different times for the same thing. Over and how, how big of a period of time? Two weeks. Right, right. And that's restraint. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. But, I, you know, that's if you got something to, important to accomplish, that's what I do. You know, you need to email. I, I sort of go with three to five emails on everything. If it's a quick and easy promo where I'm just sort of running it for the week and it's not a big launch or anything, I might only send out three I mean, emails. Three, if yeah. it's a launch, I'm five to ten. Five, you know? seven, ten. You know, to me, uh, I look at the reverse as most people do. Everybody's wor- worrying about. I mean, we don't really get complaints because I think we're pretty clear about what we're going to do on our email list. And I email pretty consistently. Like I never don't email in a week. Sure. Never. But I email a lot um, compared to most people. But my point is I judge when an email's not working. If like if it made sales or like a significant amount of sales, like I'm not questioning whether that was too many. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I'm not – I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at the, I feel like people are too focused on like the negative impact of some of their marketing where it's like, who cares? Part of me is like, who cares? You got to break some eggs, make some omelets. Like what that, that you're doing is actually working. Yeah. You know, well, I always tell people don't pay attention to the, the negative response, pay attention to the positive response. If the positive response isn't there, then those negative comments might sort of resonate. I, maybe I tell myself I need to take a look at what I, what's happened. Um, but if, if I'm seeing a a positive response that mathematically speaking is about where I expected or better, um, then, then that's a win. Um, because no matter who you are, you're going to alienate people. I can tell sort of 
generally, I don't have as much data as I'd want, like how each email, because I'll send them a few days apart, like did how many people got to sign up for Spotify like a, a day or two later. Sure. Um, and so if I send a fifth one and I'm getting as many as I did on the second one, I might send a sixth one because it's still working. Sure. You know, I'm sure. still getting fresh people. But if I'm really crashing by four or five, then I'll be like, okay, I've sort of squeezed this. This There's no more juice here. Right. You know, and I, I like, for instance, I did a, in the middle of the worst part of the lockdown, I did something called, I made up an item called the lockdown buster. Mm-hmm. I actually think you inspired me to do it. You did like a, I couldn't, I can't remember if it was real time or old, but I listened to like a John. Oh, the um, emergency LTO. Yeah, yeah, the emergency LTO. We might have even done a podcast about it together. I don't uh, remember. I think you might have sat in on that. I can't, I can't remember. But you did an LTO and I was like, fuck it, I'm putting an LTO together. I think right. that's what happened. I think you and I did a podcast. I'm like, put one together. So I did like an $85 thing and I literally just went through my studio and like took shit out. Like we, we sold hilarious stuff <laughs> and we did like 85 of them. We did like 20 the first day. You know, we did it for like, just like you said to do it. You know, I used, I was just like, screw it. We're doing exactly what John said. And, you know, by the last email, it was like three more to make right. it 85. And right. it was like, it's done. It's obviously done. Right. Like the first email is 25. The second was 21. You know what I mean? The third, 18. And it, when it really crashed, it was like, right, five emails is all this had. The list is not interested in this anymore. Well, you must have had something go- different going on there in the sense that I've never seen a trajectory like that in, the, in that I always do a, uh, a time sensitivity thing. Like this is running out on this date. And so it's sort of from day one, everyone knows they have four days and then three days and then two days and then one day. And so every single promo I ever do always has the same sort of you know, half pipe kind of trajectory where I got a big first day, it drops down and then it, it skyrockets at the, at the uh, end, you know, starts to pick up and then. I definitely don't always see that, That's especially for like a zero, like zero exceptions for me in 13 years. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I definitely don't always see that. Like I definitely see that sometimes and I'm counting on it for our right. album. Interesting. Like it, that always happens for a release, but I don't know if this was high ticket if this was early in the pandemic. Um, Did you lead with scare? Like, was scarcity a factor? Uh, um, so that people definitely there was literal scarcity. There was good scarcity. I, I don't know what it was. It was it was a pretty quirky item. So you usually know? mine are time sensitive. Almost always they're time sensitivity rather than scarcity. And so when it's scarcity, the people who really want it will buy fast. When it's time sensitivity, the people who really want it know they have time. That may have been what happened. I'm not actually looking at it, and it was like over a year ago now, but I think that may have been what happened. It was like the first few emails, and this was rare too in that particular case, off topic, but but either way, that that there wasn't like a, usually there's like a huge email first and then a pretty big drop down mm-hmm. un- until you get to like another good point, like a time scarcity issue. But maybe, maybe we were actually talking about physical scarcity, like we could physically do like 95 or something because we found a box of stuff right right yeah either way i think that's a good point i had one it wasn't even in the music space and it was like more than a decade ago one promotion where there was a limited that i can think of anyway where there was a limited number of copies of something it was a high ticket item as well and and it kind of worked sort of like you said where we saw a ton of purchases initially and then as soon as it sort of 
slowed at all. We just took it off the market like the next day or something like that because yeah, the, yeah. the purchases were, or maybe it was three days. I don't remember, but the the there was the fanaticism behind that product launch led to a lot of early stuff, and we we put it at something like a hundred copies or whatever we limit right. was. Um, and so yeah, it worked a bit different. I suspect that's it. Anyway, it'd be fun to to sort of uh, do post mortem on sometime. Um, but let's get back on on track for what we're doing. So. So you've got the you've got you, your album is pushed to the streaming platforms. It's sitting there in your account. You can see that it's registered. It's coming out. You've sent out an email asking you. You've set up that more.fm landing page. You've asked um, you've sent out an email to your fans. You have posted on social yep. media. People are saving it. Uh, people are, are then getting redirected to a pre-order page. Some of those people are pre-ordering the physical album. Um, and in your case, you've actually already asked the list to pre-order. So, you know, there, this is not, that wasn't planned. So it's a little, it's a little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, you know, right, I sort right. of just went with it and I don't have regrets. Like we've sold hundreds of copies. I'm psyched. But we were planning on going to a pre-order right after the, which makes more sense, I think, uh, conceptually, right after the single was released. Right. Now you're hearing it, now go pre-order. But either way, I'm sort of taking my foot off the gas of the pre-order right now mm -hmm. and instead focusing on this, which still has some pre-order elements to it because it's like like you said, it's at the end. If you do pre-save through this link, it does end at my um, you know, pre-ordered CD page. And then there's natural time urgency here which is you know going to end with the actual release itself right and i want to be warning people about the release so i think it's it's a nice dovetail there well at the end of this kind of two and a half week campaign which i'll send like five emails out six emails something like that depending on how well they do mm -hmm. it'll just be like hey it's released and then i'll send an email on release day that won't be a pre-save email it'll be a go listen to it email right and for that email i might expand into like a full smart link because right. at that point, my goal will be, while I'll still want the Spotify numbers, my goal for at least a few days, maybe all of release week for when my single comes out, is just like, in the long run, it'll be better if we can maximize how many people we can get to listen to it. Sure. So what about other means of promotion? Are you going to run ads? Are you going to do anything else? I am going to run ads. I'm going to do some experiments. I haven't done ads with this type of thing very much. So like I said, I'm definitely going to run some cold ads. Traffic on Facebook. Uh, I'm not like converting very well on stuff I'm testing, but traffic is super cheap right now. I don't know what's going on. Hmm. Um, it seems like bad traffic, but I'm, I don't have enough, I've spent, not spent enough money to confidently uh, say. Yeah. Be careful. There's a lot, the traffic quality in my, um, it, it, this really is, bad. it's speculation because you know, it's not like you can really see, you can only just kind of judge based no, but, on But I can results. judge based on behavior. Yeah. And I've done this a long time and I've spent over 600 grand on Facebook now. So it's like, yeah, I feel like we know you and I've spent over a million dollars together on Facebook. Yeah. And I feel like the traffic quality is bad. At least it's cheap. It's it's well, it's cheap if it's bad. You know, if you put certain things in place to ensure that you're getting, you know, you're tracking authentic conversions, like, for example, an extreme step one can take if you were trying to get leads and we're getting off topic here, but you could actually put the custom conversion on, on a download page or, um, or even deeper in the funnel. Like, let's say that first 
blog posts that you send people or music video or whatever, you know, you could, you could do things to ensure that it's not because as I'm sure, you know, there are not only bots that click on things, but there are bots that can check an email and click a confirmation link now. Um, and even click on links. A lot lot of of bot stuff. I've noticed, um, when I submit an ad for the first time, Mm -hmm. the link that I submit, this didn't used to happen. The link that I used to submit to it gets like a flurry of traffic really soon after and it's 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 facebook bots like checking my link out and checking my you know running through the website but it is it is tough on the old uh on the old analytics yeah with all that happening well for example i I got a client that i won't say his name but i I was just looking into his accounts and he's been really having a hard time running some some streaming ads again you know part of the reason is because when it's when it's a lead there's it's easier to game the the bots by turning confirmed opt-in on again you're still there's there still are newsletter bots that can get around that but there are far fewer of them but when driving traffic to spotify even when you're using conversions and we are using conversions like we create a sort of loading page in between and, and track that as the as the as the confirmation. So basically, it's going from ad yeah, to smart link page sense. to loading page to Spotify. Um, so and, you can tell if they click the link. Yeah, and the loading the loading page is the is the link. But he was having an issue where only about twenty percent of these people to click on the act like listen to a music video on Facebook that with a call to action to go and stream it on Spotify. Uh, and then they're coming to a smart link page and, and uh, only about 20% of them are bothering to move on uh, to wow after to, clicking through from a music video yeah and so that's and, very and low quality traffic it is and good. I'm I've you know verified you know just to make sure it's not like a landing page design issue or something like that and I'm I've verified through other other users using the same strategies that they're they're seeing much healthier conversion rates you know they're still seeing a percentage of them that we suspect are bots but nothing like 20 percent. so it can be really bad and again we only are left to guess at how the algorithm works but what i really do suspect is that you can get you can just get unlucky and you can run a campaign where basically you just teach the algorithm to give you more and more bots i'm sure whatever devices have these you know house these bots or click farms for that matter i'm sure they have a um a pretty obvious footprint to an algorithm. And so once you start getting some traffic, you're just going to basically teach the system to give you more and more and more and more of those traffic if you don't, uh, or of that, that low quality traffic, if you don't have certain safeguards. Yeah. In place. So I'll, I'll be testing, like I'm always testing. Mm-hmm. So I'll be testing both warm and cold traffic. The warm traffic is a little, I'm not really skeptical of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's just sort of a matter of keeping an eye on it, keeping an eye on frequency, as I've said in uh, Facebook talks we've had before. And sure. And yeah, I'll probably spend some money on ads. I mean, if the cold ads are really buying me, you know, Facebook click throughs uh, to Spotify, I might be more interested, but we'll see how that really works. Many users that I see are, are doing quite, quite well, you know, not that troubled campaign I just told you about, but you know, where it might be three, four cents a stream at the end of the day. Um, you know, and that, that's good. Not everyone's doing that well. Um, but, uh, that's super solid. while you're losing a lot of money there, you're, you're still, um, uh, when in a, in a situation like you're in where you're really just trying to get that, 
initial activity to kickstart the algorithm for discovery purposes, you know, so that it, it starts to grow beyond what you're actually feeding it and get you a potential positive ROI, um, which I think is nearly impossible, but I, it happens. Um, you know, that kind of thing um, is, is a great way to go. You know, if you're spending three, four cents a, a stream. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes it at least easier to think about scaling. I mean, that is the bummer, you know, to sort of come full circle here. Like, I'm doing this. I think it's important. I think we've given a lot of reasons that it is. But when, when, you, when you talk about guys like you and I that have built funnels that work, at least you've built a lot of funnels that really work. Um, it, it, it's hard for me to imagine a streaming funnel getting a return on investment in any like reasonable turnaround time. Yeah, so it's I, it's, I it's tough to imagine scale. I have heard reports of it. Certainly, there are other people out there, um, you know, sort of teaching strategies that make claims to this extent. I've I've got one student that I can think of that um, uh, has is projecting profitability, but like you say, it's down the line where it really makes sense to me, and these are the funnels that I sort of built into TunePipe, and there's a bonus lesson in Music Marketing Manifesto 5.0 that addresses this, is is where for those artists that are just hell-bent on making streaming their primary focus um, because of the industry or because they just can't shake the do-what-everybody-else-is-doing thing, um, if that's your goal, if streaming is just something you're not willing to take your foot off the pedal on, um, then I think what you really need to do is create a custom audience of people that are streaming. That's why in, a, in the funnels that I teach, there's a, we start with the smart link page, we put a loading page in between it, and we put the conversion, uh, we base the conversion on that loading page. Yeah, so, that makes sense. So I've got, let's say, well, let's say I'm doing Apple and Spotify, and you can do as many as you want, but with those two, uh, the URL might be mydomain.com forward slash loading dash Spotify, and then the next one's right. loading dash Apple, and then I create a custom yep. conversion for any URL that contains mydomain.com forward slash loading, right? So it's counting yeah. all of them. Um, and you can create individual ones as well, but I can see those in my funnel stats, so I don't really need to. Um, right. And then I set that as the objective on, on the campaign. And then I create a custom audience of anyone who's been on one of those pages. And then I retarget all of those people to get them on the list and with it. And, and, and we tweak the copy a little bit to really stress the not available on the streaming platforms kind of an angle. And so this is warm traffic that's already listened to our music. And then they're seeing this exclusivity factor. And hopefully we're picking up the list and then we're monetizing down the line. That's really the only way I right, can But not monetizing with streaming, monetizing with something else. Yeah. Bringing the positive ROI in through sales. And I still believe pretty strongly. I haven't, I haven't, it, these strategies are n too new for me to say anything conclusively, but I still believe um, very strongly that the old way of doing it is the the way you do it, the way I do it is the better way of doing it. Build the list, make the sale first, then push those people to the streaming platforms to drive your the algorithmic growth um, rather than the other way around. But some people, you know, feel very strongly that they they need those metrics, those streaming metrics. And so um, I hear you. for those I mean, people, I get it. that's I, I, the solution. I get it. Yeah. Anyway. What else? Have we covered it? Is that is that it? I think we, we covered it. You know, that's uh, that's what I literally have been setting up over the last week or two, and, and I'll be executing over the next two and a half weeks. And you went live this morning. Yep. And, and, and you can't see those stats, right? They're on a delay? 
think they're tomorrow. I'll see them. I don't know how many I have yet. Gotcha. Um, and any or any indications on on what the response has been so far? I think I have a good amount of. Let me see where I'm at. I mean, I got some. I, we got some messages, and we got people saying on Facebook, "I signed up. I signed up." My Spotify hasn't updated. Yeah, I don't think I have yet. Let me see. Can you see in more.fm the number of people that are, are taking action? Let's see about actions. Yeah, or that's what traffic? I hasn't up, updated yet. Oh, I see. Oh, you got a couple hundred clicks. On the email. And on the email. And then it looks like I got 90 actions so far so that's i think that's nine i haven't used feature.fm before but i think that's 90 um sure pre-saves or whatever i think that's 90 pre-saves so that's fine right so by the end of this um and again this is day one by the end of this you know you're what probably yeah what's your target i'd I'd anticipate you probably land somewhere between 800 and a thousand i think that's what i had in mind was like a thousand a thousand pre-saves right um but we'll see if we can get there i don't know yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 interesting. It's a little counterintuitive because I I have spent my time and energy building a list of people who bought CDs. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's no. I think it's a I think it's a great thing that you're broadening. I know you know, and and you know this as well. That's been a big focus of mine. I've been so so certain of the importance of sales that I've just put blinders on and tuned everything out. And I finally hit a point in the industry where. While my perspective, frankly, hasn't changed, um, I know that people want solutions. They like they like the mathematical approach of the funnel building that I teach, but they don't want to ignore streaming. I, and I think a lot of it is for for vanity reasons, but some of them are legitimate reasons, like positioning themselves to get a record deal, positioning them, positioning themselves even with booking agents and things like that. Having that calling card of of a million streams. I know it affects me, so I've never done any work on streaming. I don't know my albums and and they all came out before Spotify even existed. So sometimes I run into that where th- there's that perception of like, oh, I'm surprised you don't have more activity on on Spotify and and it does sort of uh suck, <laughs> you know, yep. when you have to fight those perceptions. Um because, you know, I've been on MTV and I played Woodstock 99 and I've toured and been on the radio, you know, I've had my moment. I've, I I have accomplished things and yet if all you do is check Spotify, you might not be convinced of that. It's not so counted there. It's a yeah, factor. it's not counted there. It's definitely a factor. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for sharing this. And then hopefully in a couple of weeks, we have some results. We'll share those uh, with, with uh, you know, everybody on a, a, a future podcast that we'll be doing. Uh, I know we got some more Insider Circle lessons planned. Um, if, if we've already released. Have we just done one Insider Circle lesson with you or was it two? No, we did. We did. One and two and a worksheet, maybe? I think it's one and a worksheet, I, I believe. There you go. Um, um, so if anyone wants to take advantage of those, uh, they can head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. For, uh, and then, well, actually, in the products and services link, you'll find a link to uh, the Insider Circle. Check it out. It's a uh, mastermind community where uh, folks like Josh and me hang out and talk about music and marketing. And I release regular training lessons. And uh, there's a new mastermind community uh, and a bunch of cool stuff for everyone to check out, including those lessons that uh, Josh helped me with. So that um, is something you can do. You can also check out TunePipe, like we've been talking about at TunePipe.com. Do it. 
And you can check out Josh's music. Um, and if, hey, if you appreciated the help that Josh has provided here today, then do him a solid and go and, um, follow him on, uh, follow their band and save this track. How can they do this? Can, can we f- give them a URL that they can go to to find that the safe em- link? Theempty-pockets.com is, and, and, and by the end of the day today, I'll have our, I haven't even integrated it into our website yet, but it'll be the top of our website. It's the okay. easiest way to look at it. TheEmptyPockets.com, right. and yeah. I'll have this link up. So go and do that. If you're listening on your phone, before you're even done, open up a browser, head on over to TheEmptyPockets.com, do Josh a solid, and uh, hit save. It'll help him with the release. And again, we're going to be sharing all all these wins with you guys. So uh, you'll be you know making making the whole process a lot more fun and interesting um, as we hopefully share some of these wins with all of you. All right. Yeah, man, this has been fun. I appreciate you. Yeah, no, no doubt. Thank you, Josh. All right. That was Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets sharing his strategies on setting up and promoting a Spotify pre-save campaign. So once more, if you want to uh, help Josh out, say thank you for the information that he has shared. Head on over to TheEmptyPockets.com and uh, follow whatever link that Josh has set up there. Uh, You should see it near the top of the page uh, that will allow you to pre-save that track. Now, remember, it comes out, uh, I, I think he said, the middle of... Uh, June. So if you're listening at some future date, that may be gone. And if you're listening now, you got to do it now in order uh, to help the cause. So go and uh, do Josh and the band a solid and, um, you know, save that track. All right. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.